who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Welcome to part two of the Nocturnal Q&A uh, episode. Later on, we're going to have a little bit of a promo for our other podcast sponsor, ShipStation. They're sure. kind of cool. Yeah. Also, I would like to point out that um, when you're a good person like me, good oh, things no, I... happen. I got a dope life and I do dope things. Here's what happened. So we have been putting in the ID3 tags of the Nocturnal podcast all the way back from episode one, and we said there would be 47 episodes. It's okay. Hit pause. Go to your iTunes. Take a look. Get info on any episode. It will say 3 of 47 or 4 of 47. And then as the podcast is coming to a close, I realize that it's going to end at 45 with the 46, episode 46 Q&A episode, and we're going to look like a bunch of doofuses. But here's what happened. Mm. You people, and by you people, I mean you people, sent us in so many effing questions that we had to cut the Q&A into two episodes. And guess, now, hey, 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 Kovacs, director of Doom. Right, yeah. Guess how many episodes the Total Nocturnal podcast is now. I'm going to guess, is it 42? Nope. Uh, Is it 49? Nope. You're getting there, though. Is it 47? Yeah! 47! Yeah, boy, 47 episodes. So all of your ID3 tags now match, which I know you don't care about. But we care, you people. And by you people, I do mean you people. Here we go. Uh, we're on the second half of the Nocturnal Q&A episode. Great stuff coming. That If you hear that... <laughs> if you can hear the growling and the shaking in the background, that's the dog of doom who is <laughs> actively breaking the neck of many stuffed animals. So we have several questions to get through in MP3 format and a few email format. So we're going to get right into it. These are the questions that y'all asked us about Nocturnal. And, uh, hey, do we have an email question we could start out with? Hold on. Let me get a sip of my oh, uh, Bloody Jesus. Mary. Nobody wants to hear that. So good. Bloody Mary's delicious. Wow. Delish. Nobody wants to hear that. All right. Let me have your question. Hit me. It's not my question. It's Cameron Matthews' question. Oh, Cameron. Oh, my God. I know. He bailed me out once. He's a great guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know that you guys are going to tell us this anyway, but what I really want to know is what's on the next podcast. You can consider this to be a listener-friendly segue 
into your answer of that question. That's Thanks good. for all you do, Cameron. Do you think we should reward Cameron with the answer? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Well, it's funny you should ask, Cameron. So, hey, Cameron, great question. <laughs> funny you should ask. Many people have been wondering, and actually, this is great, because this gives us a social media teaser for uh, episode number 47 of Nocturnal. 47 out of? 47. 47. Yes, that's because I, I got a dope life, and I do dope things. Because... Starting Sunday, just, wait, check the date. Just three short days away. Three short days away well, from this podcast. Two short days away from this podcast, because here at the Scott Segler Audiobooks podcast, we math. We math. Yeah. yeah. So would you want to know the... The date. The 14th. The, on September the 14th. 14th, 14th, 14th. In a world where podcasts come free every Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. On September 14th, 2014, you will thrill to the exploits of Quentin Barge on the Iron of Crugget. Episode number one of The Champion! Book five of the GFL series will be forcing its way into your home. And by home, I mean your podcast recipient. And also by home, I mean your ears. Episode one of The Champion. We're going to launch it uh, almost a full month before the book comes out. Well, okay, not don't get crazy. Two, two weeks before the book comes out, but true. There's gonna there's gonna be some launching and some champion. We're so excited to bring this to you. Oh my god, have we worked hard on this book? Yeah, and you know it's a little crazy because everybody's used to um, us doing uh, the book earlier in the year. Okay, okay. No, no more drinks for you. Okay. Um. A little bit earlier. We normally yep. send the book out um, before we go to Dragon Con, but this year we didn't do that. No. Um, and uh, so as a reward, we're going to put out the podcast early, which is kind of a, a little hat tip back to how it used to be, because of course, The Rookie came out quite a long time before there was a physical book. Yep. So the only way to get it, starting on the 14th, is um, by podcast. Mm-hmm. It's only going to be the first couple of episodes. The rest of the book ships by on around the 30th of September and maybe a little bit sometime that week. You might get a little bit earlier, might get a little bit later. We'll be That's the hardcover that you're talking about. The hardcover. And uh, we're hoping to submit the whole audiobook to Audible in about mid-month, mid-September. Mm-hmm. But... So hopefully everything will be out around the same time, but we won't know for sure. Well, we won't know for sure. At the very least, you're going to be looking at uh, the Champion audiobook on audible.com, on iTunes, and on Amazon.com in uh, mid-October, at probably at the, at the latest. But as we told you before, there are several elements of this process that are out of our control. So once we get it done and we submit it to Audible, it really depends on the workload that is on Audible at that time. But I guarantee you it is coming, and you're going to have listened to the podcast for free. Before you buy the audiobook, uh, and then you will add, uh, that will wet your whistle. But I think it is time to get into our first uh, audio question of episode number 47 out of? 47. Out of 47. For Nocturnal, uh, let's get this question. Hey, Scott. This is Jonathan in Atlanta. And I want to let you know that Nocturnal is my all-time favorite thing ATL. that I've read, that you've written, or that you've released. So... That and the Great Snipe Hunt are my two very favorites. So mm-hmm. thank you for all you've done, all you've written. And my question nice. goes back to episode 27. And I want to know what happened to Pookie. 
Uh, here's some audio from that episode. Mm-hmm. Erickson's expression slipped from indignant anger to thin-lipped, focused rage. Jesus, production quality. A blur of motion. Something hit Pookie in the stomach. His back smashed into the porch's thick wooden railing. Hello, audio production. Now, I've been around long enough to know what happened to Pookie originally, yeah. mm-hmm. and I like this much better. But I really want to know what exactly happened there. And uh, I kept listening because in my mind it said, yo, he got hit by a knife, you know, but he never went to the hospital or anything. So I went through and pulled other clips that happened right after that. For crying out loud. He tried to draw a breath, but his stomach wouldn't respond. Where was his gun? His hand found it and he tried to stand. Copyright infringement. So he's still hurting, but we don't know exactly what happened to him yet. Pookie lurched to the broken railing. He still couldn't breathe. He rested his gun hand on the broken rail. Erickson reached his right hand behind his back. When the hand reappeared, it held a Bowie knife. That's Bowie. Pookie yeah. aimed. Erickson raised the knife. Pookie fired. So he can shoot, but we still don't know what happened. I will tell you, sir. In that moment, Pookie had a terrifying glimpse of Brian's face. That wasn't his friend. That wasn't his partner. That was a wide-eyed psychopath. Phil Giganti. He tried to shout out, to scream, no, but he still couldn't draw a breath. So whatever Erickson hit him with really knocked the wind out of him. Let's hear what happens next. Pookie's diaphragm finally opened up, <laughs> letting him suck in a deep, halting breath. And that's the last place I could find where it's mentioned. Uh-huh. So, Scott, what happened? <laughs> what did Erickson hit Pookie with? Please. Tell us. Okay. First of all, uh, plus 25 experience points for production quality. Very nicely done, sir. Very, ma'am, sir, ma'am. Sir. sir. Definitely sir. Sir. When ma- you hear, can hear his voice. I can. And he says his name's Jonathan from Atlanta. Jonathan. It's okay. Jonathan ATL. It's okay just to say sir. It's okay. Sir, listen. I think what happened is Savior threw Pookie against the railing of the ship. What do you think? Is that roll? Uh, sure. He could have also just punched him because he's a lot stronger than Kidney you think punch. he is. Kidney punch. Kidney punch. You know why? He's stronger than you think he is. Also, he could have thrown him against the mass. I don't remember. And I'm not getting the book right now. Jonathan ATL. Joe ATL. It's not going to happen right Who's now. Joe? J- it's uh, That's his rap name. Joe ATL. Oh. 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 Can you tell by his voice? No, no. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so what happened was basically Pookie got the wind knocked out of him. At this point, Pookie's been in the white dungeon. Pookie's been roughed up a bit. Pookie's been carried on a stick by his wrists and ankles as if he were a pig being sent to a freaking barbecue. Could you cut home slice a tiny bit of slack if he can't draw a full breath? Also, listen, I don't need you to fat shame. Pookie's battling a little bit of a weight problem. He's doing his best, but he's, yeah, what's he going to do? He can't draw full breath. What do you want Pookie to do? I don't think, I, I don't like this guy. What do you think? Which guy? Joe ATL. You do like Jonathan. I know, but like in theory though, he's trying to get Pookie to like hit the treadmill a little bit. So I think what we've established is you have, you're at the moment unclear since it was so long ago. Yeah. Exactly what happened. But either Erickson pushed him hard enough. Because Erickson does not know his own strength. No. And also doesn't like Pookie at this point. Up against the wall. And, yeah. Or up against the railing and hurt him. Or he punched him and he, he went back and hit the railing. Socked him in the in the gullet, as they used to say I back in the... the gullet was the throat. Well, when, you were, when it's the Old West days, they weren't really that good with anatomy. 
So they would say the gullet in the belly. I think we should move on. Okay, so let us move on to, how about an email question? How about an email question? This uh, email is from Peg Leg Pete. I love that guy. Hi, Scott. I've been listening to you since Broadcast Ancestor, got hooked, and have been listening ever since. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you about Nocturnal. I'm a big fan of DC Comics, especially the character Green Arrow. Okay. I couldn't help but notice that Green Arrow and Savior have a lot in common, i.e. green-clad urban hunter whose preferred weapon is a bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. I might be projecting, but I think you also describe him as having a goatee when you describe him. That's projecting, but continue. Did you draw some inspiration from Green Arrow when you created Savior, or was it just a strange coincidence? Thanks, Peg Leg Pete. Peg Leg Pete. I think um, that is a strange coincidence. Now, the interesting thing about using a bow and arrow in popular fiction is it just depends on what you read first. Whatever you read first, you tend to associate anything that follows after with a bow and arrow. Case in point. My first experience with bow and arrow in fiction was Hawkeye from Marvel because was not a DC fan. Big Marvel fan, not a DC fan. And so I tend to associate everything with the bow and arrow with Hawkeye. You associate it with Green Arrow. What's fascinating is there are an enormous, enormous number of young people out there right now who everything they look at with a bow and arrow, they say, oh, that's a Hunger Games ripoff. That's a Katniss ripoff. That's a great point. Because they have no... It's because our whole, you know, everything we know is only based on our experiences, what we witness. And it's the first thing you see that's most, you know, the thing that resonates. And I've had so many people going, oh, nice Hunger Games ripoff in Nocturnal. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious me. You're aware the bow has been a weapon for a long, long time. Also, Nocturnal was out before Hunger Games, many, many, et cetera, et cetera. So. Green Arrow, Hawkeye, Hunger Games. What? Uh, there's, there's got to be more with a bow and arrow. There's Robin Hood. There's Ro- okay. Thank you, thank you, A. Kovacs, <laughs> the director of Doom. Have you all ever heard of a little story called Robin Hood? Bow and arrow, big deal. It's a big deal. But largely, what it comes down to is uh, in Nocturnal, Savior is a nighttime hunter wants to not make any noise. And there's also written into the milieu of Nocturnal is that bullets can't carry the material needed to properly um, block the Nocturnal's healing ability, the coagulation ability, if I have that right. So an arrow does not travel at a velocity at which that material will burn off the bullet or the blade or go through a, a physical change because it's so hot and also, a arrow has vastly more surface material, surface area, to carry that material. And finally, you can rig a arrowhead. You can engineer it so that it will stick. It will stick. It will not penetrate. It will not bounce. Because the nocturnal healing ability is sufficient that if a bullet bounces around inside their body, they'll probably be okay. It requires a large surface area coated with that particular residue that is going to block their healing ability to allow them to bleed out as a normal person would bleed out. That was the reasoning behind uh, the Savior's uh, bow and arrow. Although Green Arrow is a kind of pimp, I think. What do you think, eh? Pimp Green Arrow? Pimp Green Arrow. Hey, Scott. My name's Blair Bates. I'm calling from Orange County, California. Blair. I've been a loyal fan. I've listened to everything you've ever recorded. That even includes the first chapter of Earth Court. Nice dude. Um, 
I also, years ago, when you first podcast uh, Nocturnal, you had a little map on your website there, and I was up in San Francisco for a race that I do up there and decided that I would take a tour of San Francisco via Nocturnal. Mm-hmm. So I hit all the spots that you had talked about up to that point. That's awesome. And uh, really enjoyed that and just, just wanted to let you know that I, I really, really enjoyed your book this time around. I know it was different, and my question is this. Of the changes you've made, what, what changes did you not really want to make? I know the ending was vastly different. I'm just curious, which ending did you prefer? And, and what did you want to keep and what were you happy with? Mm-hmm. All right. I look forward to hearing it. Take care. Well, we Bye. answered that in episode 46 a couple of times. Uh, the biggest thing we wanted to keep was the set piece scene at the end with the Jeremiah O'Brien. And we weren't able to do that. So I, although I haven't mentioned this in 46, but uh, I think the set piece ending in, in Nocturnal in the book we have is kind of bonkers crazy off the wall awesome giant burning underground cavern and it's 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 great this is the this goes back to the point that i made in episode 46 where you know i understand and and blair's actually coming at this from a genuine Mm -hmm. fan perspective but i understand the people who say like dude i loved that where did it go Mm -hmm. um but the 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 ending of nocturnal as it currently stands whole cloth didn't exist in the first book Mm -hmm. and nobody seems to be complaining where was that in the first draft man like nobody does it backwards that's a good point nobody does it backwards yeah um but no i think that that it we can't have both and if you're going to take out that whole subset that whole sub story uh it doesn't make sense for the savior saviors and um the nocturnals to be on the Jeremiah O'Brien alone. But what they, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What they are going to wind up getting is not only the kick-ass, crazy, wild ship scene. Look, uh, the Jeremiah O'Brien scene is great. You're going to get that in Nocturnal 2 or some version of that. You also got the scene in Nocturnal 1 with, you know, several hundred monsters and a burning underground ship a burning underground, you know, practically a medieval ship under San Francisco with bullets flying and people flying through the air and blood everywhere and characters dying left and right. You got all that because we had to change it. You wouldn't have got that otherwise. It was super fun. And now you will get to not only have your cake, you can also eat your cake too. Right. I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Do we have another email question? We do. From uh, David McBurdy. Hey, Scott. I know my questions probably be too late for the question and answer podcast, but here goes. Turns out, not too late. Not too late. Uh, great book and great podcast. I am a Hero Games RPG player, and I own an adventure supplement for Dark Champions called Shadow of the City mm. that you wrote. Mm-hmm. In it, there is an adventure called Street Magic. Here's the question. What was it like to write a book based on the adventure you wrote for a role-playing game? And I have an even better question for Nocturnal. Did you play test Street Magic Adventure? And was it your inspiration for the heroes Brian and Pookie in the novel? This is uh, Dave McBurdy, was that correct? Yes. Of the Philadelphia McBurdies? It doesn't say, but let's I'm pretty yes. sure. I'm pretty I sure. I mean, it sounds like him, right? Yeah, it that does. That guy dated my sister that yeah. I don't have, um, yeah. and he was a perfect gentleman. The Philadelphia McBurdies. Let me tell you something about this family, first of all. A stalwart, stalwart pillar. Rock solid. Of the Philadelphia community. So good. Ridiculous. And it's not surprising to me that this gentleman comes out of that family. And not only that, he's the best kind of Philadelphian. He likes sausage and peppers 
without the peppers. It just goes for sausage. Sausage, and straight up, straight and up, onions. straight up sausage and onions. Uh, I'm trying to sit still as I answer this question because it's an awesome freaking question. <laughs> that is actually one of the first, one of the first things I wrote for months where I got paid to write, not counting newspapers. I did that forever and a day, but. Um, diehard champions player back in the day that was that was the superhero version of D&D in the pre-video game days the pre-internet days uh playing champions all day long with Scott Eldridge and Jeff Rappelge and Rob Otto and Scott Christian and Kurt Klein and Andy Kaiser and the whole crew and Ken Moberly don't forget the mobs I am how could you forget can't mobs? forget the mobs uh, and we play, and, and that is how I learned to tell stories. How I learned to tell stories, I didn't take a, an MFA. I didn't go to, you know, get a friggin' English degree or literature degree. I no. learned to tell stories by role playing and creating role playing adventures and watching the reaction of the people I was telling the story to and watching their reaction to the plot changes and the villains and I'm being able to look in someone's eyes and say, that affected them on an emotional level. That worked. That's where I really learned my storytelling chops. And the adventure of Street Magic, which became, which is part of Shadows of the Cities, uh, which um, became, through several iterations, became nocturnal, all happened when I was like, you know, 16, 17, in my mom's basement, playing role-playing games with my buddies. So McBurdy of the Philadelphia McBurdies, I have to say, it was kind of awesome watching this come all the way to the point where it's officially finished. You know, once you put out a book in hardcover for Random House, that's kind of it. And if we see it come out in a TV show, I'm sure things will be different. But for me, it was watching it go from, you know, pencil and paper role-playing game and every Sunday, every Saturday and Sunday, playing with the fellas in the basement to finally coming out with something that entertained, you know, hundreds of thousands of people phenomenal phenomenal experience so i'm glad you enjoyed all things hero games hero games was a great company to work with and i think we are uh, ready for the next question yep do you want i'm gonna go audio question you want to do that yeah i don't have any more oh we're well done okay so audio question next yo fdo this is a kill uh on the website mr incredible 55 or from instagram a kill to real 55 i like the promo uh, I just love one him. quick question First off, actually, before my question, I want to say Nocturnal was fucking dope. Yes. Hands down. Okay. Now, question is, what is the next podcast coming up? Okay. Because we haven't really gotten any confirmation yet. Just wondering. Okay. Keep doing what you're doing. Looking forward to the champion. And one more thing. Phil motherfucking Jigga. <laughs> <laughs> Mikhail, you scored an enormous amount of experience points. I think it was like 55 experience points. I think, so. well, maybe 62. It's, it was a lot, though, looped, like, boom, 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 like, here's five, here's seven, eight. yeah, I think it was 62. I think nice so. job, uh, the kill also. So, I actually... I'm loving the drama. Yup, find me on Instagram, find me on Twitter, here I but am on the site. But he's the guy on Instagram, I show you all of his, um, he's got a tiny, adorable, oh my god, little brother, mm-hmm. oh my god, and I show you all the pictures, oh, he's so cute. <laughs> and he always, he's the one who's forever posting pictures of his adorable little brother saying all this dude do is just like sleep and eat <laughs> and i'm jealous of the little brother <laughs> and the little you know <laughs> well we already answered what will be next it's uh, it's it's slightly ironic the kill that you're trying to plug for the champion in the next podcast and the champion is the next podcast yeah all right yeah, yeah. next call sigler nicely done sir thank you finish nocturnal out Yes. Joshua down in San Diego, a.k.a. the Servant Warrior. San Diego! I do have one question, though. 
This is a very, very important question. All right, I'm waiting, sir. How can you stand to drink Bud Light? Oh, it come is on. so fantastic about that piss. I mean, beer. Oh, come on. Jeez, oh, Pete. All right. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, you think just adding peace at the end of it is going to make that okay? Well, you know, a- as you already know, he comes to every time we go to I know the server warrior. I know him you well. Do, right? Yes. You, you buy him a beer. I could buy, you know what? I'll buy him a freaking Bud Light. How about them apples? That was the, that was the joke. Yeah. That I buy him a Bud Light? Yeah. Oh. Is he making fun of my beer? He Well, of course, everybody makes fun of your beer. What's his problem? There's not, I think that the, the idea is there's so, you live, okay, let's just get this out there and talk <laughs> about it for two seconds. You live in a beer forward town. Yeah. San Diego has a lot of microbrews, so they're quite proud of what they bring to the table. And everybody can find something. Uh-huh. You and I, of course, have had this discussion quite a great many I times. I've blogged about this, yes. I feel like you could drink whatever you want. You're not making me drink it. Nope. I, you, I don't like chocolate. You can eat all the chocolate you want. You and don't I make will. Me I will eat all the chocolate. I feel like you don't make me drink it. Here's the craziest part of all of this. I okay. think part of the management. It's true that you like Bud Light. That's yeah. totally true. I do love the Bud Light. That said... Here in the office, the empty set office in San Diego, mm-hmm. we have a beer fridge. We do. Because we combined a couple of offices. So we have, you know, like a little little dorm-sized fridge left over. Full of brew. And we had, yeah, we decided we would keep it there, put some water and some soda and some beer in there. And it ended up pretty much just being beer. It's under my desk. I have a beer fridge under my desk. Well, kind of next to your desk, but yeah. So, still. Yeah. In that fridge, there's Bud Light for sure, mm-hmm. but there's also a bunch of other beer. There's mm-hmm. Pacifico, there's Rolling Rock, there's some IPA, so there's a bunch of beer. And yeah. I have seen you, with my very eyes, drink a bunch of other beer. Yeah. And I think you just like pretty straight up lager. That's what you prefer. Is that what Bud Light's called as a lager? Well, I don't know if Bud Light qualifies, and, and I'm not being sassy. I don't, <laughs> I don't exactly. I think you're being a little sassy. No, I'm not. I, I, it's a Pilsner, I believe. Right, that's what yeah. I mean. I don't, I don't know if... Right now we have so many beer fan listeners who are like smacking themselves in their eye going, Oh my God, are you people serious? You don't know this? No, we don't know this. But I think that, you know, you don't, no matter what, you don't really have terribly divergent um, from that Pilsner lager kind no. of field in beer. No. But I've seen you drink Rolling Rock. I do I've like I've seen it. you drink Pacifico and Corona yeah. mm-hmm. and... Um, Budweiser, of course. I'm still buying Joshua a friggin' Bud Light, and he's gonna drink it. Yeah, but I think part of what, one of the things, and I'm not justifying it, you drink whatever you want. Um, One of the reasons that you drink Bud Light when you're out is because you're technically working, right? That's right, yes. And so, especially when you're on a a book tour, which is when most people see that, you're two beers and one shot, and that's it. That's the rule. And Bud Light kind of helps you maintain your... Ability I know to exactly get how much alcohol days. I'm consuming, and I have the one shot, and I know, yes. So that, the only, pro, only thing with that is, usually, when you are in Denver, drinking at night after a show, you are on a plane in Minneapolis the next morning at five o'clock in the morning. And ladies and gentlemen, sirs and or ma'ams, and anything in between, flying hungover is awful. It's an awful, awful thing. And we just came back from Dragon Con with those people right behind us who were drunk. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's also awful. Yeah. Almost almost got in a fight on a plane. Would have, except don't want the plane to land so I can be escorted off the plane. 
Good plan. Good yes. Plan. Okay, next, ne- and this is a long-distance dedication going out to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Caller, go ahead. Hey, Scott. It's Original Junkie Mike from Conyers. Yeah. And what I wanted to know about Nocturnal is, what do you think the biggest plot change is mm. from when you put it on the first time to now, and mm. what made you go in that direction? Okay. Love the podcast. Can't wait for more. See ya. Mike, uh, we've covered this a little bit already. Largely, the biggest plot change was removing the gangster infl- the gangster influence from New Jersey, and that is what was no longer in our long-distance dedication of Nocturnal. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest one, huh? That's probably the biggest one, but we will see them back again once a time next week on America's Top 40. Hey, FDL. This is Ice and Shadows and OJ from way back in the day. Way back. I was wondering if you would comment on why you changed the big climactic scene in Nocturnal <laughs> from the assault on the ship to the invasion of the home base. Keep up the great work. See you. Yes, we've covered this before, so we're going to say thank you for the call, and then we're going to uh, go to the next call. Hey, Siglerissimo. Um, I was wondering if you could, uh, in the final episode of Eternal... Don't ask how I finish I was this. wondering if you could cover the um, differences between oh. the original version and <laughs> the current version. I just obviously just hit the highlights. But, yeah? Um, oh. Uh, well, we've hit them, sir. Uh, you know, just... Um, well, he what, didn't what know were that. No, he didn't know. ...major story pitfalls that, um, that you found when you uh, went back and re-edited uh-huh. the, the story. Hi, man. See so keep in mind, uh, everybody sends these calls in blind. They have no idea what the other calls were. This isn't a live call. No matter how scintillating I sound as a host, no matter how smart, how witty, how handsome, uh, how rugged I sound as the host of this podcast, answering all these questions as if these people were sitting on my lap, uh, they are not. They all send in these questions one at a time, blind of each other. So, of course, we're getting a lot of repetition, but we've covered that pretty much extensively. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? 
not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I think it's time for another call. Okay. Let's get to it. Hey, Scott. This is Lee Hardy. I am absolutely loving listening to the Nocturnal Podcast. Yes. Fantastic. I want to go out and buy the book. Uh-huh. This is great. But I do have one question for you. Okay. What happened to the symbol? The symbol that uh, Marie's children would scratch to uh, or paint to ward off the Savior. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the Savior was revealed and Brian took over, it seems like it just kind of disappeared. Okay. And it was never really explained as to you know, what the mystery was behind it, how it worked. Um, apparently it has no effect on Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, if you could explain that, that'd be awesome. That's the only, okay. you know, I guess, plot hole or question plot? that I have. Sir. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the Sir. answer. Can't wait for the next two weeks to go by. Just, uh, Sir? Yeah. Uh, you sure you can't just go ahead and podcast those tomorrow? No. And the next no. Day? Especially yeah, since you're talking about plot Thanks. holes. Bye. Now, listen, bro. May I, call, may I call him sir? Sir. Sir. We have advertisers who like to advertise in our podcast, and we freaking love our advertisers. We do not just dump all the episodes out. That would be pedestrian. That would be uncivilized. And we are a very civilized podcast here with the nocturnal and uh soon to be the champion all the other books we put out listen the symbol here's the thing you've got uh marie who in it's difficult to share some of this information because if i live to be 97 i will eventually get to the nocturnal prequel and the nocturnal prequel will explain a great deal of what you saw in nocturnal but suffice to say that being a rational skeptical scientifically based person and much of my fiction represents that perspective i'm gonna let you know a secret the symbols don't do anything they're part of a mythology created by mommy and firstborn to control everyone to subtly manipulate them to follow a prescribed behavioral pattern that will benefit the long-term survival of the culture and of the species If that sounds familiar, it's what all of you are living in right now. There is things going on all around you. And I'm not being crazy. This is like, open up your eyes. This is in front of you everywhere you look. There are constantly propaganda messages sent at you to get you to behave in a certain way that benefits the greater good of society. I'll use one word to give you an example. That word is laws. Laws are there for the greater propagation of our society, they are not necessarily there to benefit you. If you are one of the strongest in survival of the fittest and you go take whatever somebody else has and take it for yourself, you benefit, they don't. Society doesn't benefit overall. So the whole nocturnal culture, the Marines children culture, is nothing more than a microcosm of what we go through every day. And there's a whole lot of BS that's been whipped up and invented to help control the populace. Now, it's important with Marie's children because you and I might go out and do a little bit of damage if we don't believe in laws. 
Marie's children go out and slaughter 30 or 40 people and then go into hiding and come up and slaughter 30 or 40 more. And the next thing you know, there's a bunch of villagers, villagers with torches who want to exterminate Marie's children and wipe them out forever. And then their genetic line ends. So that was a long winded answer to why the symbols might or might not work. And we will learn more about that when I get to the prequel of Nocturnal, because I, I believe I will live to be 133. That's my goal. My goal is 133 years old. Good luck with that. No, it's going to freaking happen, dude. Okay. It's a lock. That's a, that's a Vegas lock. Hey, hey there, Scott. This is uh, Captain Bly, longtime junkie. And uh, congrats on all your successes, dude. Thank you, sir. Um, question. Okay, yes. in the, uh, the original, well, the other mm-hmm. uh, nocturnal. The first. Um, we had the gangster uh, oh. storyline <laughs> where, you know, they were like working for the gangsters as their secret hit squad. I see where this is going. Um, I understand that, you know, that's not in this one. So, uh, Correct. where did they get the guns? Okay, I mm. mean, you know, they can't go out and, you know, California has pretty strict gun control laws and stuff like that. Okay. So, like... How did they do a background check, you know, to get all these freaking guns these monsters have? And, uh... Okay, okay, continue. You know, um, that's, that's a, that's a, I think that's a pretty good question. It is, it is. I mean, considering that, you know, they're not working for the gangsters, and, uh, you know, or, like, you know, I mean, how many guns can they really get off of, like, dead gang dudes that they hate or something? Okay. Okay, well... That's my question. And, oh, yeah, one other thing. All right. Go Pats. Oh, for Christ's sakes. I like how we <laughs> snuck that in there. See, if we weren't listening to that, you know we're listening to that live because I would have totally edited that out. You know why? Because he's one of those guys who are like, oh, it's hard to be a Pats fan. We haven't won a Super Bowl in like five weeks. Like, that's what those people are like. Don't know what it's like to be a Lions fan. Mm. And you actually, as a Jets fan, <laughs> you've won a freaking Super Bowl. We have. Yeah. yeah. So y'all can kiss my ass. Kiss it. <laughs> kiss it. So to answer your question, look, dude, there are so many guns in California. It's preposterous. There, there are, by some estimations, there are enough guns in America for every American to hold a gun at the same time. There are 330 million Americans to give you a perspective on how much uh, how many weapons there are available. So trust me, I'm not I'm not talking about gun rights or restricting or restricting guns or anything like that. I'm just talking about facts, man. We're just talking about facts. The fact that you're like, well, they didn't pass a functional background check, and how are they going to go to the gun store and get a gun? Tells me that you are a law-abiding citizen, probably a gun owner, maybe a concealed permit. I don't know. This guy obeys the law, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Most people don't. Obey. I'm not sure most people. Is Many people. Many. Most people who are Marie's children probably do. Probably not. do not. I probably mean, do not. Probably. And figuring that the, the the basic design of firearms hasn't changed all that much in the last fifty years. You know, you've got your automatic weapons, but you know your basic your basic your basic handgun is largely the same. Colt, nineteen eleven, whatever, whatever you got out there. Automatic weapons, semi-automatic revolvers. Uh, they've had a long time to collect all of these. Also, one or two bullets isn't going to phase Marie's children. So if they target a gang or they target a bunch of kids with guns or whatever, they're going to get their weaponry. Also, read into Nocturnal 2 when a lot of that will be explained more in detail. And finally, I will say, sir, I appreciate your law-abiding nature. 
Hey, do you think he's a law-abiding citizen? I do. I think you should call him Captain, though. He's Captain. He's Cap. Which Captain is he? Bly, he said, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Can we just take one moment to focus on the ridiculousness of someone whose online name is Captain Bly talking to me about the legality of how the monsters could acquire the guns? Well, Wasn't Captain Bly a freaking pirate? No, people mutinied uh, um, oh, I got that on wrong. his ship. Did he kill him? Uh, no, they mutinied. They, they sh- I think, shipwrecked I thought him. Captain Bly was a pirate, like Blackbeard or something. No, he, he, he was the captain of the Bounty. And the, bi- the Bounty wasn't a pirate ship? No. Jeez, oh, um, All right. Well, Captain Bly, I'm sorry I have besmirched your ancestral online name. You want me to check? Yeah, go ahead. Go I'm ahead and check. I'm sure go he ahead. was. It oh. was a royal ship. A, a royal ship. While she's looking that up, let me tell you again how rugged. I. I'm oh, ready. Are you ready already? Yes. Okay. Vice Admiral of the Blue William Bly was an officer of the British Royal Navy mm-hmm. and a colonial administrator. Okay. A historic mutiny occurred during his command of the HMS Bounty oh. in 1789. Yeah. Yeah. And he and his loyal men made a remarkable voyage to Timor. 3,618 nautical miles after being set adrift in the bounty's launch by the mutineers. Okay. Fifteen years after the bounty mutiny, he was appointed governor of New South Wales in Australia in order to clean up the corrupt rum trade, resulting in the so-called rum rebellion. So he was exactly the opposite. He's opposite of a pirate. Of a pirate. <laughs> I think we've all learned something here today. I think we've all learned that not everyone with the word captain in their name is also a pirate. Well, you learned that today without question. <laughs> there may have been some of us uh, listeners. Oh, sure. Who the smarty pants people who sit at the front of the class already knew that. But the rest of us re- rejects in the back, the degenerates. We didn't know that. I don't I don't think that I'm pretty sure most of our listeners are going to side with me here that they did not instinctively you know assume listen, that everyone listen. named Paul, I'll tell Captain. You this. Anyone still listening at this point at 43 minutes into part two. I want you to go to scottsegler.com. I want you to look for this episode, this Friday Fix episode, Nocturnal episode 47. And I want you in the comments to tell me who you are siding with. Do you side with A, because you knew Captain Bly was a good guy? Or did you think that because he was Captain freaking Bly of the HMS Bounty, he was a pirate with or without a neon mohawk who also rode in a car in the desert to go after Mad Max. And if you side with me, like any normal person (laughs) who went to school might, you could, you know, you could, in your comments, you could say, oh, captain, my captain, if you'd like. Oh, okay. We'll find out how many people are listening at this point. I'm sure Big John is listening. We'll find out who else. That might be it. That might be it at this point. All right. Next caller. Wow. What's up, man? Jason X. Jason PDX Oregon. Hey, man, just listen to Nocturnal. Okay. And uh, listen to the episode where Robin, you know, bought the farm. Separation of. Bloody as hell, man. Great episode. Sanity. So I wanted to get some questions in. Hopefully make a Q&A, man. Okay. So there's uh, two things, really. Um, I want to know more about the cast system, like the UVAs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be explained a little bit more? Is that like Marie's children that didn't get the Zed, and now they're just kind of lobotomized? Oh, shit. Servants? Showing up with a good question. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. And um, I just want to know where Nocturnal sits in the Sigler verse. Okay. I mean, are we ever going to see like a Zed playing like defensive end for the Krakens? Or mm-hmm. I think that could be interesting. Maybe bite someone's head off. I don't know, man. Uh, 
All I can say is thank you very much. Uh, Phil Gigante killed it. Yeah. And it was a great story. A uh, couple more episodes till the uh, till the ending there. Listen, uh, looking forward to listening to all that stuff. Thanks a lot, man. That's uh, Jason X of uh, Separation of Sanity, mm-hmm. the band. Mm-hmm. I'm they, with you. They they rock. Have you heard the Separation of the Sanity? I have. Oof, crazy. Yeah, crazy, okay. crazy stuff. Uh, Ivar the Forkbeard is mm-hmm. also in that band. The Forkbeard. The Forkbeard, which is one of the best nicknames I've ever friggin' heard in my life. They um, they got a record just coming announced out. Yeah, that their new record that will be called the Crucible. The Crucible. I, I want to say just that. in the next couple, last I couple of days, that. right? Yeah. Yes. It's very, very good. Very, very good stuff. To answer the question, excellent question. Not that anybody else's questions were bad, but that is an interesting question. All of the um, the cast system is all based on on genetics, on a Punnett square. And normally a Punnett square, uh, you're looking at XX and XY. So we'll deviate very briefly into a little bit of genetics. Um Gregory Mendel came up with the Punnett Square. Is that correct? Do I have that I right? Think, I think so. I, I think he so. was a pirate, too. He was not Captain Gregory Mendel. If he was Captain Gregory Mendel, he was a pirate. So uh, we're largely the intro, you know, Biology 101, Genetics 101 is based on introducing the concept of the Punnett Square, which is you have an X and an X on a vertical axis on the left and an X and a Y on a vertical axis on the top. And, what, and then you have the four squares and you're going to be XX, XY and the various combinations thereof because each parent is giving up one gamete do i have that right mm. yes we're no. in the ballpark we're in the friggin ballpark listen we're fiction writers we're not friggin biologists anyways so each parent gives up one of either their one x or an x or a y and that is designed to teach you that about how although you may have a bunch of traits you can only give up half of your traits right to your those are alleles those so are alleles right. sorry g- those gametes are alleles. that and then you they separate the into the separate into, as, alleles. as alleles. So uh, nocturnal, if you've read it, and I think if you're still listening by this point, even Mick John would know. Yes, there is three, three alleles. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Also, I'm pretty sure Punnett Square is named after the Punnett who made it. Okay, but we're basically Gregory Mendel and Punnett and Captain Punnett. Okay. I don't know. Listen. We've had a couple of science on a Bloody Mary is different than science not on a Bloody Mary. Right. Yes. So to answer your question, Jason, so instead of X and Y and X and X, you've got X, Y, Z, and then the other combination of mommy, which I'm not going to talk about right now. And that creates a much, obviously, a much wider Punnett square. Instead of four, you've got nine possible phenotypical, genotypical combinations. And all of those genotypical combinations have a phenotypical, a corresponding phenotype that will manifest once the child is born and can grow. A couple of those, uh, those phenotypes are dead. They're DOA. They're born dead. A couple of them you saw in nocturnal. And you've got the soldier cast, which was you know, Firstborn and Pierre and Sly, etc. And all of those other people you saw were more along the lines of a worker cast. They're, none of them can reproduce. You can only reproduce with the dominant male and the dominant female. And they are not wired to go out and do combat. They are wired to just kind of obey and do whatever needs to be done. There's a couple of other casts that I haven't revealed yet that if we make it to nocturnal number three you will see and i will say listen if uh you know ear earmuffs if you've got children cover their ears cover their ears wait ready if you make it if i make it to nocturnal number three 
<laughs> there is some fucked up shit there in is. Nocturnal number three. And I'm going to name one of them Jason, just to be on the safe side. Okay, well, I'm going to have to remember that for 40 years, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> a, pro- a promise is a promise, people. A promise is a promise. Hello, FDO and Director of Doom. Hello. Uh, been a while. It's Boz from the Little Pod of Horrors. I now. thought that was Boz. Um, I wanted to send in a question about Nocturnal. Well, some feedback, really, because I love the rewrite. Um, I'm one of those people who listen to the original. Is he driving or mowing? And, uh, I think that I, might be I the computer thing. trimmed the fat oh. and so on. But I'm going to ask a question, which you're probably not going to answer because it might be spoilerific. But what the fuck? I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, I think he's in a lorry. In, in the yeah. original right, there was quite a bit about... Uh, Gangsters. Frank Lanza and the, the, gang, the gang stuff <laughs> going on in the city. And okay. how Marie's children were involved with that. Turn left. Um... Now, Forward. obviously, a lot of that's taken out of the rewrite. I'm just wondering, did you extract that so it could come up in a sequel as a sort of a story arc? Uh-huh. Or did you just decide to dump it because well, we know. you wanted to make the books you know, a bit tighter, a bit smaller, less story threads? Mm-hmm. So that's my question to you. Um, nope, I'm listening. And, uh, and A will edit this out if it's too presumptuous. But... Um, because you are one of my podcasting heroes, uh, yes, and obviously I podcast myself. Get to it. Can I just pimp out that on the Little Pod of Horrors on the fifteenth of September we have an exclusive interview with a film director, one Owen Tooth, who has just done a movie starring Jason Mewes. Yes, and it's released on the fifteenth of September, and we're releasing the special podcast in conjunction with it on the same day. So there's a bit of shameless promotion. The reason I mention it, uh, it's a horror movie. It's funny. Uh, it's a very silly. Uh, yeah, and I think you'd like it. So, I just thought I'd fire that across your bow, and then maybe some other people would be listening at the same time. Fire uh, Also, you may remember quite a while back, slitting the throat of the Here Goes Nothing podcast for us. Uh-huh. For those who don't know, I did Here Goes Nothing, which was on the Simply Syndicated Bars. Network. And the FDO very kindly mm-hmm. recorded the final piece of audio that we put out on our Mammoth 100th show, which was six hours long. Mammoth. And... Uh, Mr. Sigler was the last thing anybody heard as he cut the throat of the Here Goes Nothing podcast. As it should be. We're bringing it back. And you did actually say in your comment, in case you decide to bring it back one day. So I'm taking that as a full disclaimer, and I'm very sorry, but we're back. We will be back within the next month or so on the Simply Syndicated Network. I'm such a shameless hoe. I apologize, but I love everything you do. Um, And lastly, I've just about forgiven you for doing Sigler Fest on the same day as my wedding. Um, I, I... I, I don't. I don't blame you He's for that. Driving. It's completely I think coincidental. He is um, but yeah, look, it, one of these years, I am going to get over there and I'm going to come to Sigma Effects. So, watch out. Thank you. Bye. Okay. First so of all, boss, a little, little, a little housekeeping. He's already married, right? No, he gets married during Sigma Fest. He month. got married the last Sigma Fest. No, this Sigma. Oh well, for screw that. Reschedule the wedding. What's the problem? What's wrong with you? Reschedule the wedding. Nobody likes. We got you. stuff to do. Nobody likes you. Anyways, that really was important a, thing that we know. Yeah. One thing. Very very long chat from che- Boz. I think we can call that cheeky. Cheeky. <laughs> Number two. Clearly a pirate. He's not. Is he? He said a shot. Ac- well, probably because he shot across the bow. <laughs> <laughs> also, I like the fact that not only is he driving, I imagine Boz driving in a tiny little car that makes a Mini Cooper look big. I'm thinking the uh, over in Britain they make a, like a tiny car, like you can barely fit in. Like a smart car. Yeah, and it like runs on a go kart motor, and that's what he was driving. 
Because mm, you maybe could, you he could was hear it. his computer on a go kart motor. I think he was driving. I don't think that was a computer. Okay, fair okay. enough. Okay, all right. Here we go. Next question. Oh snap! Also, the last question. Oh, I hope snap. this is good. I don't know who this is, but there's a lot of pressure mm. to bring it home. To bring it home, as if and as a, they say in the showbiz, as they say in the showbiz, not only get the stack of pancakes, but put the butter on it. Nobody says that. That's what they say in showbiz. You don't only know John showbiz. Tweedy says that. Okay, here we go. Last question. Dark Overlord, great job on Nocturnal. Loved it. Wait a minute. Looking forward to the wait, next wait, project. Wait, wait. Cut the it. Big announcement, whatever that may be. <laughs> uh, I think that was the Mark Berry. It is. Yeah. Also, I already played that call. You did. And. I may be on my third Bloody Mary. You are. Also, I forgot the word syrup. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to like, stack of pancakes. What do you put on pancakes? You put butter. No. What is that? I'm actually making, I'm gesticulating, pouring something on the pancakes. I forgot the word syrup. Sometimes you, 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 sometimes you'll have that. That's I, okay. I do think though, at this point, that's probably an excellent time to stop. This. Absolutely. Cause number one, nobody's listening. No, number there's two, no one listening. We uh we've run out of questions. And number if you three, are still listening, you should go now. Put in a comment at scottsigler.com in episode forty-seven, Friday Fix Nocturnal. I'm still listening. That's all you gotta say. Just comment. I'm still listening. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number three. Now you're just running at the mouth. I am running at the mouth, uh, or what we call in showbiz vamping. If well, you can remember the word syrup. Thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. This officially brings to a close the Ballad of Nocturnal. You will not hear anything else about Nocturnal until someday, hopefully, we either get a graphic novel going for it or cross your fingers, ladies and gentlemen, we get to see it as a television series. That is it. A Real Girl, do you have any final comments on Nocturnal as a podcast, entertainment property, syrup, whatever? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. I Well, I do. I really 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 loved nocturnal um the second time around mm-hmm. we had a lot of discussion bef- when you wrote ancestor whether or not you'd write ancestor or nocturnal at that point and i advocated for ancestor because that would be the easier one to get to market mm-hmm. and uh, and i really really loved but that said i i think that as a long form story nocturnal has has taken the lead as my favorite singular story it's not my all time favorite singular story because that's a short one but I do love the nocturnal. So well done. Thank you. Thank you. All of you still listening at this point. Um, so glad you enjoyed nocturnal. Thank you very much for all the calls, all the emails. I'm sure a lot of you didn't send in your questions because you knew people would ask your question for you, but you had questions still listening. Thank you so much for listening. We now close the curtain on the nocturnal. This show is completely over. We ride off into the sunset and we immediately turn around our horses and ride uh, away from the sunset so we can launch the champion. You are completely rambling. No, I'm not rambling. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. And we will talk to you all real soon. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. 
Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.